Hello and welcome to All Remote Podcast. My name is Ilana. And my name is Anya. And we are your hosts. All Remote Podcast aims to give space for all remote advocates to share ideas and insights into the future of work. We believe the future of work should create equal opportunities for everyone, regardless of their location, gender, or any other category. Enjoy. All right, so welcome everyone to another episode of All Remote Podcast. Today I have a lovely guest, a dear friend, Gonzalo Hall. You probably know him, but he is, I would say, firstly, a remote work consultant. Other than that, he's co-founder of several initiatives around remote work, such as Remote Europe, Remote Portugal, and he's also a fellow podcaster. He hosts a remote work movement podcast. Gonzalo, welcome. Hello, hello. Thank you for the invitation. And my last guest, uh, it was very, very good. You should listen. It was Hania Simic. Uh, definitely have a listen to that. This is this is one of those eye for an eye uh, collaborations. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm a guest of yours and you're a guest of mine. But jokes aside, I'm really excited for this conversation. Uh, Gonzalo and I talk a lot about, you know, on social media and we, we catch up every now and then. But this is, let's say, the second official touch point we have. So as you might have guessed, we're talking about remote work. Let me start from the, the most basic question. How did you decide that your career is going to be about remote work? What triggered it? I think it was something very personal, meaning uh, since I'm a kid, since I can choose, since I can make any decisions in my life, that I like to move to, from place to place. I, when I was 15, I decided to go to live in a different city, close to mine, to a different school. When I was 18, I, did, I moved to Porto, the second biggest city of Portugal, then to Algarve. So I kept moving. And what was driving, what driving me was the curiosity of how is to live in this place. Mm-hmm. And this just kept coming to me. So when I found about this lifestyle, this digital nomad guys that actually travel and work remotely, I was like, what the hell? This is for me. And this is how it all started, to be honest. It was just like, I want to work remotely so I can travel. Uh, long story short, I ended up having my first remote job with Remote Hall from Evo. And my job was basically speaking with founders and head of uh, HR from all the remote companies. That was my day-to-day life. Just go there, speak with them. And I liked the movement. I liked remote work. But then it was when I decided that I would embrace that as my mission uh, to have remote work for everyone. And so I left Remote Hall one year and some months ago. Mm-hmm. And decided to launch remote work movement, and the name was exactly that. I don't, I, I don't want to speak only for companies. I don't want to speak only for individuals that are looking for remote work. I don't want to speak only for governments. I want to show people the whole movement that you can change the world, that you can change companies, you can change how people work, you can change where people live. All that under the remote work, kind of what how you do, and that's what excites me the most right now. So. I think it all started with my driven to just travel and live in different places. I'm right now in Las Palmas, uh, Canary Islands, and just enjoying life here. But next, who knows where I'm going? And I love this. I love this freedom. But then like, there is a lot of good things happening with remote work. And I just want to help everyone to unblock any blocks they have to embrace this lifestyle. Got it. Got it. And you're involved in a lot of projects. I think it's one of the longest introductions I've given on this podcast, uh, which is really exciting. Like you get to do so many things and, and all of them are, of course, revolving around um, this remote work movement, uh, if you will. But how do you manage to run multiple projects at the same time? 
So how I actually built those projects was having in mind my own personality. And that what, was what unblocked everything as well for me. So I failed several times as an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And I failed always in the follow-up. I love to launch. I hate to follow-up. Uh, so understanding my strengths, I did a Meyer-Briggs test and I'm ENTP. So I'm super creative, very good at starting, very good at understanding business models. I always fail at the operations. So how I set up all my businesses right now, remote Europe, remote Portugal, remote work movement, everything that I'm doing, even the future of four conferences, is I partner with people that complement me. I always partner with people from operations, someone who can bring my vision to reality and make sure that everything falls in place without this crazy guy went south uh, because he wanted to go south. Because I have these teams, it helps me to just basically be the driven force, being the connector be- between what we want to do and what we do. So in Future of Work, I take care of all the vision and all the speakers. The, at Remote Europe, I take care of all the vision, all the connections. So I do always the same in all the companies. I just have different teams on the operations and on, on the marketing side that then take that vision to reality. And understanding that, it's allowed me to solve much more problems. So instead of having one company, I can have eight different projects because I do pretty much the same. The community is the same. The people are the same. It just allows me to solve different problems in different parts of the world. And that excites me 10 times more than just running one company. I would get super bored if I would just run one company. Got it. Got it. Well, that's great. And I think that's great input for starting a company as well. Like you need different people to make it successful. And it's okay if you're not the best in all the things out there. No one is. So it's this just this is just a great input for, for anyone starting. Like you should have either the idea or the operation strong suit. Yes. And then just just have a partner with someone who does good things on the other. Um, let's talk about 2020. So this year has challenged all of us. Um, it has challenged people who have been working from a physical office, who had to switch to remote. But I think it also challenged us who have been working remotely for years. So what is your biggest lesson? Uh, what is your biggest takeaway from this year? Was there something about remote work that you didn't know before 2020? It was, for me, it was more about myself than about remote work. So all the projects I mentioned were launched this year. So we are right now... Mm-hmm almost finishing the year. We still have two months and a half to go, but all the projects were created and launched and they are operating this year. So in the last nine months, what it taught me is that you really need to start saying no if you grow as fast as I grew this year. Uh, like what happens is that mm-hmm. I like all the distractions. So when I'm in Bali, I have people around, I have travels on the weekends. I have You have all these things that allow you to stop working and enjoy other things. What happened in the first half of the year is that suddenly everything is shut down, you are at home, and there is no distractions, there is no support, there is nothing. You can't meet people. And what happened to me is that I started working 14, 16 hours a day. Uh, when I was wake, wake up, I was just working, working, building, building. At the same time, because suddenly I, I'm a remote work expert out of nowhere as well, because again, I left Remote How one year and two months ago. So the growth of my personal growth, my growth inside the space was really, really, really fast, really insane. So 
because I became a voice of the movement, not only in Portugal, but a little bit around the world, I got all kinds of messages. I get more than 15 invitations a day on LinkedIn. I get messages asking for jobs, asking for this, asking for that. Some very interesting messages as well from people I really admire. But what I learned is that I need to stop. I can't say yes to everything. Because when you start, you need to say yes to everything. It's not like every opportunity that is given to you, you need to say yes. It's an opportunity. If you speak to one person, that's one person more that you are, you are able to influence under your mission. But mm-hmm. suddenly you grew too fast and you have... I had this. I had 10 events where I was a speaker in the single week, several weeks in a row. So I was just speaking everywhere, giving training to companies and trying to influence people in the direction I was seeing that remote work would go, helping companies, helping people. And suddenly I was working 16 hours a day without breaks. So what I learned is that I shouldn't do that. And I got 20 kilos more under my belly. So I got really, really fat very, very fast. I lost all my physical capabilities of running, doing sport. I just, I'm just fat. So what did I take from this? I take this, now I manage, I measuring the time I work. So even though I have worked for several things, I don't want to work more than eight hours without with exceptions of talking in the event or something like that. I don't work more than eight hours. I divided my days. So I have a day like today is dedicated to remote Europe. I have a day dedicated to future of work. I have a day dedicated to running remote. I separated by days. But most important, I, I now say no to almost everything. Even though I'm speaking in a lot of places, I learn how to say no. If something is not a win-win or if I, if I don't get uh, any satisfaction of doing things, I, I need to say no. It's still work in progress, but I think the most important thing I learned uh, under all this crazy experience of the last nine months was I have to say no. And it's not good, it's not bad, just I need to protect my time or else I'll end up with my schedule full of calls and full of uh, just random conversations with people. So now if you want to talk to me, you need to have a very good reason you need to be a good reason so we meet face to face and not just a message on LinkedIn. And I just don't accept calls from everyone. I don't accept all the events. And yeah, I just say no much, much more because for person for my own sanity, but also to protect my time where I need to work. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for doing this episode with me. I I feel so honored that you took the time, <laughs> even in the craziest schedule. <laughs> no, it's my pleasure. You know, I will always say yes to you. So that's you are you are on my green list. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That that means a lot. That means a lot. So you mentioned that you had a lot of conversations with people about remote work, and it's the base of your whole career at this point. Uh, but for you know some companies that that are transitioning or who are just not very certain what remote work is, what are some of the usual conversations that you have with these people? I think first we need to make them understand the benefits. It's not just people working from home. And this is a fight I'm now having, which remote work is not working from home. This is the first fight I have. Like I absolutely hate to work from home. I'm not productive. I struggled during six months trying to work from home and I got really fat because of it. So yeah, the first thing is people should work from different spaces. An extrovert person like myself would love to work from co-working spaces. An introvert person may prefer the quiet of home and build their own office. We are all different. We should actually not say to everyone inside the company, hey, people, let's all work from home. We should think about the individual. And this is very, very important. I'm having really cool conversations because of all the events. And I understand now that around 
60% of the internal employees want to go fully remote. That's an average. I have companies with 80, I have companies with 50, but around 60% of people in all internal surveys, uh, they want to work remotely. And most of them are thinking about leaving the city if they are able to work remotely. So that's really, really good. Mm-hmm. And also almost all of them, and this is mind blowing for me, almost all of them lack the documentation. Every company I consult, every company I speak with, and I speak with some really cool companies, every time I go inside the company and we try to figure out what's happening, how they adapt, they all forgot about documentation. And documentation is like the basics of all remote work. Working remotely without documentation is a real pain and there is a high risk that you will fail, basically. So these are like like the most interesting things. Most of them are going hybrid, offices are changing, which is really cool. Uh, Some of them are closing the offices, but most of them are closing around 60-70% of office space as well. So yeah, there is a cool change happening. I'm super happy to be part of it, to be honest. There's a really cool change of mentality. It was like, you know, one year ago when I was at Running Remote in Bali, we were discussing, oh, how is the easiest way for a company to understand what should they do uh, to go fully remote? And we joke, yeah, just close the office for one week and you'll see what happens. And suddenly (laughs) there was this virus that it was not me, it just happened. And suddenly we are all working from home for six months in the very poor conditions. And still the success is huge. All the companies I'm talking with, they want to somehow implement remote work. Most of them are going hybrid, which is the most challenging of all the setups. But still, it's good news. It's good news for people working in the company. It's good news for pretty much everyone, even for the cities, for small villages. For me, it's just good news for everyone. We now need to go... We, like me, you, deal, all the people that know about remote work need to do an extra effort to make sure they do it properly. And it's not, it's just not install a video, a video call. And yeah, we are now working remotely. That's our job to make them understand that this was an exception. And now we need to educate them how to actually make this a success. Okay. Let's give them a crash course then. So apart from yes. documentation <laughs> that you just mentioned, uh, what are some of the, the absolutely essential things you need to implement in order to make remote work work? So first thing for me is communication. You have to have one single platform of communication. Mm-hmm. And that includes eliminating all internal email, in my opinion. Uh, most of my clients don't like that idea. But I say, no, like you are forbidden to email anyone internally. You have the communication platform, whatever it is, Twist, Slack, Teams, whatever you want to use. But you need one platform where all the communication is happening. That's the first one. Then you need doc- a documentation platform. You have several out there. You have Notion. It's just growing like crazy because finally someone made documentation fun. That was a struggle yep. one year ago. And so, simple to make. And simple. Add. That's true. Yeah. Notion is amazing. I love those guys. So out of nowhere, Notion solved how to make documentation decent. I was using and most of the companies I was working were using Confluence. God, I love Notion. Sorry, guys. Confluence, it was still not great to build it. It was like a really a, a pain. And now documentation is great. What you do you need to document? You need to document all the meetings, all the decisions, all the processes. Yes, everything. You don't need to do everything in one day. It's a long-term process. And that's why all the companies struggle. Most of the companies don't have a really good long-term vision. When you build the documentation, when you have all the documents, what will happen is that your communication will slow down because people can just consult documentation instead of just interrupting colleagues asking questions. That's for me, one of the biggest goals of documentation. Instead of interrupting me or you every single time you have a question, you just go to Notion, you 
you write a couple of words and you find your solutions. I would say 80% of the problems need to be fixed only with documentation. 20% may be an issue for asking directly to through your communication system. Next is project management and make sure that everyone has a platform, everyone knows what to do, everyone knows the deadlines, what they need to do, and everyone knows the mission of the company. For knowing the mission in transparency, I think transparency is something really cool that comes with remote work. It's not... Um, easy fit right away for most companies. But when you are transparent, your culture just explodes and becomes something beautiful because people understand your mission. People understand if you are doing bad, if you are doing well. And people love to embrace mission and have this tribe mentality to conquer the world. So when you are transparent about your mission, about your financials, about pretty much everything, your company will improve a lot. You have a lot of good examples, but for GitLab, all the cool companies, <laughs> all the cool remote companies are doing it. And last but not least, just we have a human-centric approach. I think mm-hmm. caring about humans is something very powerful when you are in a company. And the companies, when I think about, well, I would give up one of my projects to work for that company. Those are the companies that are really caring about people. They really understand that they are people first and then they are workers. So by having a human-centric approach, you care about your workers. You give them conditions to work and that will also allow them to be more productive, to be happier. You are a big part of their lives. So just focus on their happiness because they will give it back to you. How can you focus on people's happiness? What is that a manager or a CEO can offer to their team to to make them happy? And what, what does happy at a workplace mean for you? So first, you need to be transparent so anyone understands what the hell you are doing. And that's for me a big part of happiness. Understanding exactly where our company are, that there is no hidden agenda, there is no hidden conversations, that you have access to everything. Just that is a huge step into happiness. And then it's just being mindful of the different types of people you have. Imagine what works for me as an extrovert is to have meetings, is to connect with people, is to work outside, is to be a digital nomad. That's what's worked for me. So because of that, if I work for a company, I may be in Bali eight hours in front of your deadlines. So when you schedule meetings, you should be mindful of that, of my lifestyle, of why I do what I do. At the same time, there are little things that you can do. So right now, everyone is going under a huge amount of stress. Imagine mothers are going inside with their kids at home. So be mindful. Give more flexibility. If you see that they are not able to ship the work that you gave to them, just talk with them. Okay, what we can do? When are you available to work? Is it before your kid wake up between 6 and 9? Is it afterwards? Be mindful and be respectful of this. Because specifically right now, being respectful of the whole differences, the whole types of houses where we live in, just help people. I really think that we need a head of remote in pretty much every company. I think this, mm-hmm. what I was defending before COVID was that you need someone like almost a, psycholo- a psychologist inside your every company just to make sure everyone was going well. But I think you really need a head of remote, which is kind of a mix between a process person, a HR person and a psychologist inside the, the company. So this person needs to identify really soon what's happening. He needs to build a culture, build internal events, since COVID started, for example, we'd work from, we played escape rooms. We mm-hmm. played several games together. We have a weekly call just to check up if everyone is going well. Like, can we share personal problems? Like, I'm insane with work. My life is, everything is burning. I, I need help. Or, hey, everything is cool. I had an amazing weekend. I love my family. Things are great. 
And with this, imagine I'm having, I'm having a terrible week because I have three conferences this week. The other guys will step up and will help me. And the other way is the same. So be very mindful of life and people's life because when you care, they will care back about your company and about what you are building. It's not just work. If you build a family inside the company, that's the dream. Absolutely. I agree with everything you said. And I think it's just mostly overlooked. So, you know, small companies or, or startups even focus on, you know, results and, and early customers and just making, reaching goals and, you know, driving demos and sales, etc. But they don't understand that this is a slippery slope to, to just burning your people. And just you know, having having this huge workload and not having a place or space to to vent is just a, a really really challenging thing to to have on the long run because people will just lose their energy and it'll be really hard to regain it organically. So yes, please invest uh, in in people's happiness. It will go a long long way for for any company. You mentioned conferences, and I know that you're a big conference guy, and I'm really happy to see that you organized Future of Work in Brazil. So I know this happened... Um, was that the first Future of Work a global one, or did you have a, a dedicated market? So this was a crazy year. The first one was in, Portu- was in Portugal. It started as not as Future of Work. So it started as a digital nomad conference, a B2C conference in mm-hmm. Portugal. We wanted to help people to embrace remote work back in March because world was going crazy. A lot of people was going layoff and we want to be part of the solution. So we created this five-day conference. After that, we created the first global one with the same strategy, B2C. But because I cr- I'm part of also running remote and I've loved their mission and they have for me one of the best conference worldwide about uh, remote work in a very high level, mm-hmm. I decided that some locations, because cultures are very different and what works in the US may not work in Serbia or in Portugal, I decided to go a little bit more local. So then I organized different futures of work, more localized. Portugal and Brazil were the two first ones. Next year, it will be a whole new insanity level of conferences. You almost <laughs> made a spoiler alert and share with us where it's going to be. But okay, we'll, we'll wait for next year and see where the next uh, future of our conference will be. But let's go back to Brazil. So I know that Brazil is, is a huge market for remote work. A lot of people there are, you know, just discovering remote work is definitely growing as a market. Can you share some insights into Brazil as a remote work market, maybe even uh, Latin America in general, if it applies? So Brazil has a very has a lot of peculiarities. The first one is that they follow really closely what what happens in the US and they copy everything. Mm-hmm. So remote work is not definitely new for them. There is a whole kind of hustling mentality in Brazil where they want to work. They have the same star system as the West. They have these superstar speakers. So they are going surprisingly well. There are still... The biggest issue in Brazil, and maybe in Latin America, but in Brazil specifically, is education. Uh, most of the people are not well educated. Mm-hmm. So although the, one that, the ones that are educated are really well educated and are amazing workers worldwide, there is a huge amount of the population that is not educated. And that becomes a really issue when you need to digitalize everything in your company, when you need to work online in a computer, even when you need to have a computer and Brazil is not the safest place in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in terms of culture inside the companies, super flexible, remote work is definitely growing, up, I would say, very, very closely to what's happening in the US, like three, three years behind. But it's amazing to see how normal it is for a company to work remote. 
the amount of companies that are fully remote, even startups that are fully remote with one of the start, startups with the best culture I know in the world, they are Brazilian. It's beer or coffee kind of um, co-working platform. When you want to go, you have like a pass and you can go to all the co-working spaces inside your country. Nice. So they are fully remote and they have by far one of the best cultures. They have a mom, official mom, and they have this position called the head of love, which is basically... If you feel bad, if you feel good, just schedule a call with the head of love. And she's just actually the mother of the CEO. She left a career in the legals, in the legal side of uh, Brazil and decided to embrace the company. And she's the head of love. And <laughs> That's great. It's just, in, and they have this crazy thing like remote meditation where everyone goes and meditates at the same time in the morning, yoga classes, everything. They are always inventing something new and they are great. And this is in Brazil and you know, I compare these guys with GitLab and with Buffer. And for me, they have one of the best cultures in the world. So Brazil is going really well. Latin in general, I think they are just exploding. I think now with the US understanding the power of remote work, Latin being in the same time zone, education improving like Mexico is just having a lot of... Um, Programmers coming out from university, mm-hmm. big companies are all there already hiring or opening a headquarters there as well. Uh, more and more remote workers will come from South America. So I see really LATAM exploding from now on and nothing will stop them. The guys are hustlers. And when you learn, I think they had two barriers, the education and the English. And the, both barriers can be fight with education. Uh, with more, with more and more education coming online as well, we have amazing ways of learning how to code, for example, online, I think those guys will just explode and you'll see more companies just coming out of the scene and being a, a big flagship for the whole Latin region. So there is a high possibility, very, very high, very, very high that will be a future of work Latin next year. That's great. This is this is great. And yeah, access is, I think, one of the biggest or most overlooked benefits of just the world going remote. Because it opens so many doors to people who wouldn't have the access if we were only limited to physical. And I don't just mean the, the workforce market. I also mean education. I also mean access to information. You know, we, we are seeing daily, um, new, you know, startups or solutions or just, you know, platforms, if you will, that are just, you know, giving access to whatever they're offering to anyone, basically anywhere they are. And it's just beautiful to see. It really warms my heart to see that the world is going global. Venezuela and Argentina, they have uh, big issues internally, political issues internally, right? Mm -hmm. And because of remote work, you can be Venezuela or Argentina, both are kind of bankrupt right now, and you can earn in dollars or in euros because if you are a good professional, you can work for anywhere. Even if you are a company, if you are a company that works online and your product is can be global. You can be in Argentine, Argentina with your family, enjoying your culture and still have a global company. And this is a game changer. I think we'll see a, reduce, a reduction of immigration of uh, these really high level workers. They don't need to go to the US. They don't need to come to Europe. They can just work from there, help their families, help their society grow. And this, this will be the, the beginning of the snowball, hopefully, hopefully that will yeah. bring more equality to the to these countries. Hopefully, hopefully, yeah. So let's uh, let's cross the pond and go back to Europe. In, in Europe, remote work is quite established, and I think it's, it's very well known. Um, a lot of people are working remotely in you know, all places in, in Europe. And yet you decided to launch Remote Europe, which to me sounds like this hub of um, just jobs, events, co-working spaces, pretty much all the resources about remote work. So 
how did that idea come together and, and why in Europe? I disagree with you. I don't think remote work is normal in Europe at all. And I think we are really behind even of Brazil, to be honest, uh, in terms of implementation of remote work. There are several reasons. We are the old continent, right? And you see a lot of old ideas. And right now I'm seeing a huge difference between countries like Portugal, where I'm spreading the word and working here for one year to make something uh, happen with countries like uh, France, for example, where everyone is already going back to the office right now, even with COVID, even with everything. The word out is everyone will go back to the office. Uh, In Germany, if you work more than X amount of days, Uh, from home, you pay more taxes, the same in Luxembourg. And this is insane. For me, why? Why would the country tax more someone who works from home? There is no reason for that, right? At least in my opinion. So even if you are looking for a job, and that's that's why we started with the job bar, to be honest. When you are looking for a job and you are European, most, I would say 80% of the offers in all the big websites, all the big job boards are, say, in the end, US only. It's insane because companies in the US want to hire people from the US because of time zones, legal part, etc. And you are the solution, part of the solution. There we are. Uh, <laughs> but the truth is, in Europe, there is also this huge pain of a law. We have 50 countries. A lot of them are very small with different laws, uh, different mentalities, different people, different languages. And to be honest, in most of them, remote work is not a thing because there is no one pushing. In the US, you have all these big companies pushing to the front remote work. Uh, in Hungary, you have a guy, Magyar, pushing remote work. In Spain, you have Nacho. And the countries in, in Ireland, you have Grow Remote making a huge work with the government to implement remote work. But in the countries that don't have this, they are falling back. And remote work is not the thing. And they don't know anything about remote work. And they are struggling right now. France, even a little bit Croatia, has huge opportunities with remote work. For example, Serbia, amazing internet most of the times. And amazing place, really cool co-living spaces also opening there. Slovenia opening the first co-working and co-living places. All these places now, they're really behind because there is no flag in Europe giving information, giving directions on how should you build a remote company. All the information you have is from the US. And again, culture plays a huge part on remote work implementation. So I think remote work in Europe is really behind of what's happening in the US in Brazil. And I want to be part of the solution again. And that's why I'm built remote Europe. The first part, definitely job boards. Uh, we want to give access to people, all the jobs that you can you don't have to look for the US only, EU only, worldwide. If it's open to Europe, it will be at remote Europe. And then we want to be part of the solution. We will create events. We will create a lot of knowledge. We'll create a huge knowledge base, bring the best people in the world to write for the blog as well. We want to be the flag that's missing in most countries. We want to be that flag and we want to have partners, local partners. I want to have a local partner in Serbia. I want to have a local partner in Slovenia. And I want to have these local people helping changing the local laws for remote work. I don't want to see people paying more taxes because they work from home. At the same time, because we are remote Europe, we can change Europe. So I definitely want to work with the European Union in making sure that there is a kind of a regulation for remote work in Europe. So some country doesn't decide just, no, no, if you work more than 10 days, you'll be you'll pay more taxes or you can't work because the unions in our country don't allow. When it comes to Europe, you have you want to we need to unify a little bit more. So the goal is also to work with the European Union and change the the whole system around remote work to make sure that 
if you went, if you are from Serbia and you want to work remotely from Spain, there is no issues there. Yeah. A lot of work to do, but that's the whole plan behind remote Europe. Yeah, sounds like a bold statement, but I cannot wait <laughs> to see how it plays out. Good luck. This sounds amazing. And yeah, thank, thanks for mentioning and disagreeing with me. Uh, I think this, the cult, <laughs> no, really, you know, this is, this is exactly the, the point of this podcast. We share. Uh, different opinions and we challenge each other on them. But the, the point about the culture and cultural difference between the US and Europe, and you know, I know that a lot of people, when especially out of Europe, when they say Europe, they mean like either Western Europe or EU. And me coming from a country that's not a part of either Western Europe or the EU, often feel you know left out. So and I think that the, the culture in, in Europe differs so much from the culture in the US. And even the, the you know, Western and Eastern Europe have many cultural differences. And it just, I, I think what, what you're doing there is also bridging this gap and creating this unique voice uh, that's, you know, building off of each other, not just replicating something that exists and is working well in another continent. Yeah. And that's why we went for Europe and not European Union. We had this discussion and it was a huge discussion. It was much easier to go to 27, to 27 countries of course, yeah. instead of 50. In terms of database, the decision to go with 50 countries, it was like a, a really big pain in my team. But yeah, it was something I wanted to force. Uh, like European Union is always changing. It's just a political entity. It can help a lot, but we have amazing countries outside the European Union and they also deserve like Ukraine is doing an amazing job and a lot of talented people, Serbia, uh, Turkey is like growing a lot as well. Mm -hmm. And yeah, there is no reason why you should leave these countries behind. For me, Europe as a continent has a lot of different cultures, but has this same of kind of same mentality behind it, which is we are really old around here. We always change later than US because US, they are much more hustler mentality. We have much more unions into play in most countries. So all this is very different from the US situation. And yeah, we just want to make sure that everyone has the opportunity here in Europe and we don't need to just work for the US or suffer time zones or wait for it everything to go global. I think we'll see a lot more of European companies hiring uh, locally in Europe because of time zones as well. And in Africa, there's a huge opportunity in Africa. That's a whole new discussion. Uh, That's a whole new discussion, yeah. And we, we actually have an episode about uh, remote work in, in the African continent. So make sure to check that one. Nice. That's <laughs> so, yeah, we're, we're doing a lot of uh, you know interesting conversations on this podcast, tapping into different markets of remote work. Nice. I think Africa was going to explode. Africa is an oh, is yeah, like for sure. is a real gold mine, uh, not literally this time. Sure. And I think if well done, and if we don't screw everything again in Europe, Africa can really, really give a huge step in terms of going out of poverty without having to immigrate elsewhere or just 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 need the basics now with 5g everything is in our their cell phones and yeah the power is with them now so our job as europeans is also to help them to rise and to have access to these markets yeah absolutely i think they just need to you know amplify their message because they're working great things and i know there yes. are so many hubs startup culture is insane there in, in certain regions and they're just being quiet about it. So if, if, you know, someone can just turn on their mics 
megaphones, it will give them so much exposure and they're going to just blow up and, and really take over. It's again the same we were talking before the podcast. You need always some crazy guy to put the flag on and say, this is the way. Always. For yeah. everything, you always need a crazy person that wants to embrace the mission. Africa is just missing that. Uh, but as a continent, they are way, way bigger than Europe. They are much younger than us. They are willing to learn. And if they know this is the, their doorway, they are out of poverty, they are going to hustle. And for example, Nigeria is just doing an amazing work. But like Nigeria, there's a lot of other countries that are really, really working hard. Cape Verde is like building a huge um, startup system there. I'm talking a lot with them. There'll be a huge spot for digital nomads in the future. Uh, but yeah, we have all these countries with hustlers, with people that want to win, people that want to leave poverty, but they want to stay there because where the family is, they where their friends are. They don't want to necessarily immigrate and face the winters in Europe. They are really well where they are and just enjoying their life, but working really, really, really hard. So yeah, they will be the next stars, definitely. I think a lot of time is exploding already. Africa next year has their big opportunity, just like in one guy with a, with a flag saying, this is remote Africa. I cannot wait to see that. Uh, it's going to be great. Well, I usually close the, the podcast with the question, what do you think the future of work will look like? But I have a feeling that you know the past half an hour has been all about that. And we tapped into different markets. We talked about different initiatives, uh, legislative and administrative and you know mind uh, shifts and all of that. So I will just give you the, the red carpet to tell us what, what exciting things you're going to work on that will contribute to the future of work. I will. That's so many things. Uh, so I'll just say remote Europe. I think that's the most exciting thing and probably one of the most important things I'm doing myself to help the movement. I also have remote Portugal. It's kind of a more a smaller approach to my own country, kind of the love mission. But I think remote Europe and it's where like we want to change Europe. And it's like, like you said, it's a big statement, but any help from anyone that really wants to embrace this mission, they are, you are welcome. If you create good content, you are welcome. Welcome. If you are looking for a job that is remote and you are in Europe, you are welcome. Uh, so yeah, just come and be part of this mission, yeah, this crazy wild mission that we want to, to have here in Europe. Gonzalo, thank you so much for being a guest on this podcast. I enjoyed, as always, uh, this conversation. Uh, we will link all the, the, the numerous uh, initiatives you're working on in the description. So make sure to check that out. And yeah, good luck with everything. I cannot wait to see what comes out of it. Thank you, Anya. Bye-bye, everyone. That was it for this episode of All Remote Podcast with our lovely guest, Gonzalo Hall. Did you enjoy it? Great. Share it with a friend. See you next time. Bye.